much horror business Driving late at night Psycho 78 12 o'clock Don't be late I said all this horror business My mirrors are black for you You don't go in the bathroom with me uh, Greetings and salutations My name is Justin Lore. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you are listening to episode 51 of Business Del Horror. Uh, the Horror Business. Which is not how you say horror business in Spanish. So, uh, It's weird that you decided, because we've done foreign films in the we past. We have, yeah. And here we are with two... Of the whitest films we've ever done. <laughs> like, we're doing uh, 19, uh, 1984's, in the, 1984's The Company of Wolves and 1996's Bad Moon. Company of Wolves might be the whitest movie we've ever done. Well, it's British, so yeah. There is unbridled caucasity in that movie. I think one person in there might be Welsh, so they bring yeah. a little bit Angela of Angela Lansbury's hair. in there, so yeah. like, <laughs> you know that Lovecraft feared the Welsh, right? Well, they're swarthy. Yeah. I, well, it is weird sometimes when you get the occasional swarthy Welshman and you go, this is, island is too small for there to be diversity. Here. Yeah. <laughs> they have double L's in a meeting of their names. That creeps me out. Llewellyn. Llewellyn. Mm-hmm. Um, the there was a the church where Sue's worked for a little bit in Philly was like a historically Welsh church, and they did historically Welsh things there. There are all these dragons around the church and stuff, you know, because they have the red dragon. It's yes. like the Welsh thing. And um, every time they would do the Welsh stuff, I'd be like, "This language is made up." I I think <laughs> Welsh. I think Welsh is literally like made up to to confuse proper English people. It's like they heard English even in its old form and were like, how do we make a bunch of guttural sounds that are even more fucked up than well, that? Well, Colin Wilson wrote a short story that I advise reading called The Return of the Loiger. Oh, God. That explains why the Welsh are the way they are. And in retrospect, it's vaguely racist, but, <laughs> you know, it's a great story. Vaguely or directly racist? Directly. Yeah, okay. It basically accuses the Welsh of being like a subspecies of humanity. Well, or... The uber species. The uber species. At this point, not being human just sounds like a benefit to me. I agree. Transhuman. Which is why I serve the lizards. Mm. We won't go there. (laughs) So this episode is brought to you by our beautiful, delightful, beautiful, and even more beautiful Patreon subscribers. Thank you so much for your support on Patreon. Forever for subscribing to our Patreon. Um, If you don't subscribe to our Patreon, but you're interested, go to patreon.com slash Cinepunks. Is that the right one? I think so, yeah. Yeah, just look up Cinepunks on Patreon and you'll find it. If you go to the website and click all the Patreon links, you'll find it. They're all over the place. So that any any little amount is very, very appreciated, Um, as is any sort of retweet or promotion that uh, you guys give us. We greatly appreciate that. Uh, it is also brought to you by the um, apologetic people at Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Apologetic? They're apologists. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, a few years ago, apologist was a slur, I think. I don't know where I'm getting this. But um, yeah, let's say, Liam. Okay. Let's say you need basketball jerseys for your Bazooka Joe fan club. What the fuck? Where would you go for that? We have Alley Paracretion. Exactly. They can print anything for you. They can print sweatpants, Dr. Seuss hats, uh, 
Bazooka Joe <laughs> basketball jerseys, tall tees, short tees, long tees, thick tees with two C's, uh, sleeveless hoodies if you want to go to the gym and look like an asshole, uh, capes, cod pieces, uh, what are those things called that the soldiers wear? Bali bandanas. Bandanas. I was gonna say balaclavas. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, anything you need printed with whatever weird shit you need printed on it. Fut- like, futuristic face mask. Yes, to represent your love of the comedian Ron and Leo Gallagher. <laughs> Jesus. So if you want to get a sledgeomatic hoodie printed, I guarantee Chris Reject can do that for you. XLVACX.com. Don't let the X's fool you. Chris is not straight edge. Chris is a poser. He's barely punk. Uh, I also want to say big up because he's been doing it a little bit now, and we mentioned it a couple times, but I, I want to directly say, and don't cut it out here, uh, to our new editor, Jacob, Jacob Roberts. He, I think he cuts out some of the stuff where we specifically mention him. but Don't cut uh, it out. Yeah, leave it, because you deserve, you deserve some credit here. In the past, I was doing all the editing, so you know, if you listen to older episodes and it sounds badly edited, that's me. I did that. Not Jacob Roberts. Jacob Roberts... Is you said this? You brought up Jacob Roberts because we were speaking about true Edgeman. He's not straight edge. What? He's not straight edge. Fuck. <laughs> That's what reminded me to bring up him. Just it. to say thank you for being our well, editor. I still and appreciate to give him you. Credit. We still appreciate but Jacob Roberts. Not, he like specifically mentioned me like, oh man, I hate to say it, man, but I'm not. I'm not straight edge. Was he like fearful? Oh no no no! I mean, he was like he thought it was funny, okay, because you made such a big deal of the fact of that he was probably a true edgeman. He's like, no man, it's just Jacob Roberts was taken. He's like literally the same reason that it's XLVACX. <sighs> Jacob, you can talk about the part. You can cut out the part about you not being. Nah, it's fine. Keep it in there. We 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 still love you. <laughs> so now we come to the podcast where I ask the burning question that exists in my heart when I'm not recording, and that question is this: Liam, have you done anything horror related recently? No, I never do anything horror related. Ten minutes ago, you told me that you did. I know. I have a couple things, but okay. it's just not that much. I just feel like you always are like, here's the 15 films I watched, and I'm like, I managed to see a thing. Um, okay, so it's been a little bit since we recorded, so I've done a few things, though not you know a lot. One of the things I did was see, and I guess all the, except for one, the three things I'm going to talk about are, are uh, two of them are very marginally horror. So one of the marginally horror things okay. I would consider marginally horror is I went to see the new Lars von Trier movie, mm. uh, The House That Jack Built, mm. specifically the director's. There was a one night only of the director's cut. Now, if you're someone who hates Lars von Trier, that's fine. Yeah. I have no, I have no negative association with that. Um, I think I think I could very successfully defend some of his older films, but I think recently... Uh, there's which older films uh i like breaking the waves okay uh i like dancer in the dark uh i feel weird about dancer in the dark because bjork basically is like feels like she's has been a victim of abuse okay because of his emotional treatment of her Uh, i will say it is it is it would be worth interrogating that only not because i don't think we should believe bjork but uh, he almost exclusively works with women at this point. Like the the, the House of Jack Belt is only his second film with a male protagonist in his career, and most of the women he works with, he puts through as much trauma, and then they love him. They think he's great. So I don't know, you know, if he was in a bad place when he was making Dance in the Dark, or uh, if maybe you know actresses are just more used to crazy directors, and Bjork is just not into that whatever all i know is that she was so upset with him that before filming every day she would spit on him 
I like Bjork. She would spit on him and say, I hate you. And then they would start filming. So, you know, I can't I can't downplay that. And to be fair, the house that Jack built is kind of about that. The house that Jack built is basically um uh I think it is related indirectly to the fact that Lars Frontier can't help but make films in which women go through horrible things. He basically his art is abusing women. Now okay. um I think you could argue as to what that means about him. Uh, uh, I think the film suggests that he... I'm not saying the film is directly about him, but watching the film and thinking about his career, I think he... I don't think he intends to be a misogynist. I don't think that's... He's not actively like, women suck, fuck them. I think he's just someone who, for whom, he wants to talk about suffering and overcoming suffering. Okay. And because of the patriarchal world we live in. That's why he keeps making movies with women in them because he wants to see, he thinks women, when he thinks of suffering, he thinks of women. I mean, it's also telling that most of his films are about people who overcome suffering. He finally makes a movie about someone who very directly inflicts suffering and it's a male protagonist. And honestly, I think that's a stand-in for him uh, in a very real way. Um, That being said, that sounds like revelatory, like, oh, I didn't like... Lars von Trier before, but now this movie, it's, you know, I'm going to see something more about him, whatever. No, 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 no. This is like his last three films have been a very self indulgent movie. It's a very, to me, narcissistic movie. And I think it's a movie that is uh, the moments of beauty in it and the brilliance in it. I'm not sure overcome that narcissism. Uh, if you listen to Cinepunks, you'll know Josh disagrees. He liked it. He We left and he was like, I think I didn't like that movie. And then after thinking about it for a week, he's like, nope, I changed my mind. I like it. It's great. Parts of it are stupid, but overall I like it. And for me, I'm still not sure that I like it. I would I would watch it again. Um, a lot of people have talked about the intensity of the film. Okay. And I know that at our screening, there are a number of people there who are only there because they heard, oh, this film's so fucked up. All these people walked out of can. It's like the most fucked up movie. Okay. Name names. No, don't. Don't, no. don't, 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 don't. Here's the deal, y'all. Emotionally speaking, I don't think that's inaccurate. It, it is, It is like all of his films, and emotionally... So you're saying there were people there who saw it as a challenge to sit through this? They were hoping for something extreme. They wanted to know what the controversy was about. Okay. But they interpreted that as actual depiction on screen. So what they're thinking is, this is going to be like a Serbian film or you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, just making the, the jerk off motion. Making a jerk off motion. Uh, it's not that there is extreme violence in it, but in my mind, even though those moments are more unpleasant because Lars von Trier is better at depicting awful things than other directors. If you watch horror films, especially if you watch extreme horror films, which I suspect some people do, there's nothing in this movie that is more upsetting than anything. In fact, I've talked to a couple people for whom the most upsetting part was the fact that uh, our killer protagonist has OCD. And at one moment, almost gets caught because he keeps going back in the house to make sure it's clean. He like can't help us. He just keeps going back. And for this particular person who also has OCD, they were like, that oh, I almost left. I couldn't handle it. It was like just too much for me watching him go back and back and back. I feel like stuff like that, some of the emotional reality, some of the cruelty of Jack, which, of course, is expressed in his violence, but um, I don't think the violence as depicted is necessarily the worst thing ever if you're used to violent movies. Okay. But if you went to a Lars von Trier movie not used to... I mean, Antichrist is pretty violent, but a lot of his other movies are not as 
grossly violent, you might be upset because you're not used to that sort of thing. Yeah. And then on top of that, the part that is upsetting is that this movie is emotionally bleak and cruel and whatever, like basically all of his movies are. I, so. I don't, I'm not, I don't think he's a bad filmmaker, but um, I watched Half Hour of Antichrist. Yeah. And was like, ah. And I watched Melancholy, Melancholia and I was like, ah. It just... I, I actually like Melancholia a lot. It's but, beautiful to look at. But I, I, I tend to prefer his older films. Like I really think um I really think um uh Breaking the Waves, Dancer in the Dark, uh Dogville, uh Europa. I think these things are very good. Okay. Um uh, Boss Vidal's pretty good. The Idiots is pretty good, but I haven't watched it in a long time. I saw the Idiots when I was way too young to see that movie. <laughs> um uh, and then I think post Manderley, we're in sort of a weird territory. Um, but but I I think Melancholy is pretty okay. I like it. I don't love it, but I think where it ends, I actually appreciate. Um, and I certainly find it more tolerable than say Nymphomaniac, which I did not like at all. It's really bad. Some people love it, so whatever. I'm not I'm not trying to yuck anyone's yum per se, but for me. I think if you're obsessed with Von Trier and you still love his later films, I would be surprised if you didn't like The House That Jack Built. I think okay. it's got the same raw, I hate myself, but I'm also giving in to my worst tendencies, and here we go. So me eating like four diet pizzas yeah. in one sitting. That's <laughs> I hate myself, but I'm giving in to my worst tendencies. I mean, I believe Josh's wife, who did not love the film, described it as watching a friend you kind of like masturbate for three hours and cry. Nelani is a true wordsmith. And then never come. Which is, you know, kind of where the, the film just sort of ends and you're like, I guess that's a statement. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm making it sound super negative um, because I'm still annoyed at parts of it. But then again, there's large parts of the movie where I was sucked. I mean, it is a three-hour movie that uh, um, I had to pee through like half of it. <laughs> and I didn't leave because I was like into what was I wanted to know where we were going with this thing. So... Uh, so that's one thing I watched horror related. The other one is uh, on Netflix. I watched that movie Cam. Okay. A lot of people caught Cam at like Brooklyn Horror Film Fest or Fantastic Fest, I think it played, or some other of the smaller festivals. Uh, and it's, you know, a woman is a Cam performer, and one day she's locked out of her account, and there's someone performing who looks like her but is not her. Oh, a and, doppelganger. And it's her trying to like get her life back, you know? Uh, I like it. I think it is interesting because it's a film about the fear of the internet and identity on the internet that never directly condemns anyone for being a camp performer, I don't think. Okay. I think it actually sort of humanizes that, so I like that part of it. And I just found it kind of exciting. I don't know. I thought it was pretty good. It's it's not the greatest movie I've ever seen, but I think if you like a, a good thriller, um, I, I, I think the only criticism that I would level against it is that I think the ending is not the most satisfying not the very end like the denouement but how uh but the climax like how things sort of reach their end okay i didn't love the mechanics of if that makes sense um i would have preferred something else but i don't know what you know what i mean yeah. but but there's like a there's like a sort of after part that i thought was great so you know it is what it is uh, but I still think it's worth checking out, especially if you like things on the thriller end. You know, like like it's a very, it's not terrifying, but there it's tense. There's like a tense, like I got you. how's this, where's this gonna go, whatever. 
you know, mildly reality bending sort of thing. So that I appreciate it. And then I, uh, we were just talking about before we started recording, I saw a movie that is partly a horror movie and then mostly a comedy called One Cut of the Dead. Uh, and I don't want to give away anything to anyone, but I don't think it is to just say it's a f- movie that starts off with a one cut uh, zombie movie that's pretty good, Japanese zombie movie that's pretty good. And then the rest of the movie is the story of trying to make a one-cut zombie movie, and not like a self-reflexive documentary, but more a scripted comedy about that. Uh, and it's really great. And in fact, when you see sort of, they show you the behind the scenes of the half hour you watched in one cut in the earlier part of the movie, it's great. It's charming. It's funny. It's filled with a love for movie making, uh, which is something I love movies about movies. So that is like, it's super interesting that in that way. Um, and it made me kind of want to make something, you know, I mean, and it's, it's interesting to see how they would film that, how they have, they need the thing that is one cut and it is definitely one cut. There's no digital trickery. This thing had, this thing, by the way, is a massive moneymaker because it was made for no money and it's been playing in Japan for a while. It did pretty well. So, um, but there's no, there was no money when they made it. So there's no, there's no tricks. It was done in one cut. So then the fact that they're also then filming multicam scenes outside to show what's happening is actually pretty brilliant. To, to, yeah. to, they pull that off. It's got my interest peaked. And then my favorite part is the end credits, actually, because then they're showing you the behind the scenes of how they made the behind the scenes of the thing. So like you're seeing the cameras, filming the camera, filming the camera. And what you're watching is definitely a GoPro. So what you're seeing is someone who must have a GoPro like attached to their head yeah. while other things are happening. And I thought, man, that's so many layers. It's so good. I like so that. Uh, yeah, check it out. One Cut of the Dead, Japanese film. Uh, I think it's pretty... I don't know if it's widely available. I think it's available like on Amazon, maybe, uh, or at least on like iTunes. Like I think you can rent it. Yeah. Um, and I don't know when it's going to be available for like uh, free streaming, but hopefully at some point. Cool. But that's it. That's all my horror. That's I've been not trying all the to catch up. Did. That's not all the horror you did. Oh, what was the other thing I did? You and I saw a little movie called Overlord. <gasps> I forgot. I thought we talked about that. No, no. we didn't? No. Oh, man. Hey, Justin. I liked Overlord. What did you think? I really liked Overlord. Well, what, what, what's Overlord about? Uh, it's that movie that they were going to make a Cloverfield movie until they realized the Cloverfield paradox was a heap of shit, and it uh, they decided to distance themselves from it. It's basically takes place opens up and thank you you're liam just placed a a a plastic candle here we're celebrating the birth of our lord and savior jesus (laughs) christ um it opens up in like it's like a it's about these like soldiers in d-day american soldiers who go behind the lines a few hours before operation overlord to kind of like cut enemy line communications and then they find themselves in over their heads and there's some like weird wolfenstein you know, the keep shit going down. I really liked that movie, though. It had all, had all my favorite World War II movie characters. You know, it had, like, the wise guy from Brooklyn, the sensitive photographer, the guy with the girl back home. Yeah, sure. The mysterious, uh, what's his, like, the mysterious guy who's, like, from another uh, another outfit who just, like, yeah, something happened to his outfit. We don't know, but he's with us now. And, uh, I mean, it's it's... Uh, to be clear, though, it's not like historically accurate. No, I mean it's lose. Uh, on D Day, they did send troops behind the lines. Sure, a few hours before Operation Overlord. That's where it ends. Yeah, they didn't have uh, integrate in- integrated groups yet. They did. 
No, they didn't. No. No, not yet. Yeah. It was only towards the very end of the war. Yeah. And then it was very limited, you know. So there's a little bit of it. But, you know, it's mostly a movie with scary stuff. Yeah. That just happens to also have good. You know what I mean? Like, I, I've heard I've heard people say, like, well, I wish it was more historically accurate. And I'm like, uh, people come back to life. So I don't know why yeah. you're worried about that. I'm completely that. okay with Bokeem Woodbine being like the fucking apone of the group where he's like, you know, they're like flying through like German flak and he's like, everyone's freaking out. And he's like, didn't I tell you, Lady Izzo, I was going to show you a good time? <laughs> like, it all it was like every World War II movie stereotype rolled into one, and I was like one hundred and ten percent on board with it. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, I also thought this the, the effects were really good. Agreed. Um, the only thing that I I, I didn't I wasn't like eh, or was kind of iffy about it is I still you know I said it jokingly in the meeting, but I still maintain that this was originally meant to be a Cloverfield movie. Yeah, sure. And you could see where they were intending to. To, to fit that into this universe. And it, it was sort of like a, um, if it's a standalone movie, it's sort of a clumsy thing. Okay. You know, where the, the source of where the Germans yeah, find, yeah. it's very clumsy because they don't explain it. And you're just like, that was meant to be, there was meant to be exposition in like another right. film for that. Well, I, I would actually say the whole ending is a problem. I think yeah. it loses. It, it's only a problem because the end becomes the boring standard, uh, horror action movie you were expecting. Yes. Like the rest of the movie is tense and fun. Well, fun if you like to feel anxious. Yes. Uh, and it's got, it's done very well. I think it's very tense. And then it starts to unravel a teeny bit towards the middle, but it's still got it. And then when it finally gets to the very end of the film, it just doesn't know what to do. It, it, I felt that it kind of, I was expecting something stereotypical to happen with a certain character who didn't like another certain character. Mm -hmm. And then when it finally happened, I was like, of course that happened. But in the end, it didn't happen. And I was like, I kind of wish it did happen. Like, if they're going to, like, if they were going to go all out on, like, the movie cliches, sure, then fucking go all out in the movie cliches. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I also think that Wyatt Russell was amazing. He's good. I mean, his accent is fucked in the movie. It's fine. Because when he was, like, interrogating that one Nazi, I was like, this sounds like Snake Plissken, and, like, from, like... Escape from L.A., There's not Escape from New York, but like, oh, like you know, like Escape from New York is like a watchable movie, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Escape from L.A. is just like a parody of that. Yeah. That's what I was reminded of. Like, yeah. I was just like, this, th I, I, I'm, I'm all in on this. There's definitely parts where he sounds like he's going to end a sentence with bro. Yeah, and I'm okay <laughs> with that. Oh my gosh, I mean, he's good though. I like him a lot. Um, I just would have gotten him some like dialect instructions or you yeah, know, yeah, you need, like just something. Um, but yeah, it was good. It was a lot of fun. I mean, I think. It's one of those things where I, I don't know about you, but I didn't go in with huge expectations. No, I mean and that I, let that let me enjoy it more because it was just kind of like, oh, I see. It's it's a lot of fun. It's yeah. not the most brilliant thing ever, but it's really good. Yeah, it's, I mean, any movie, any movie like a supernatural movie involving Nazis, I'm there. I'm there for it. Sure. Uh, I also talk. Let, I'm going to talk about the things that I saw recently that I liked before I get to the things that I didn't like. Um, I watched a little movie called The Cured. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, it's like an Irish quote-unquote zombie movie. Yeah. Uh, basically, the plot is like there's like this like 28 Days Later style plague that like rages through Europe, and then they discover, they, you know, they discover a cure for it, um, and it's all about how these people who are, you know, a few years back, these like raving, dangerous, rabid animals, basically, are now being like, in, you know, um, integrated back into society, and the one thing that I thought was like, quite effective in depicting that was they reveal that these people are aware of what they're doing the whole time. Um, and it's not like 
they're these like amnesic zombies. Like they know that they're killing people. They just can't help themselves. And then there's this idea that they have to go to counseling because they have, they're suffering from PTSD from that. And I thought that was sort of um, a good way to flay open the uh, mystique of zombie movies. Like how, you know, it was in, in a movie that was like, what would it be like if we could cure zombies? I thought that was an interesting thing is like, oh yeah, sure. These people are like fucked mentally now because of what they've done. Uh, Ellen Page is great in it. Um, there was a lot of neat political commentary in there. I don't want to go as far as saying there was like commentary on like civil rights because I think that might be looking too far into it. But there was one element where it's revealed that a certain percentage of these people cannot be cured no matter what. And they're still like just like, you know, 28 days later style infected and the government just has them locked up and much of the population is like, we should kill those people. And there's this argument over like, well, they're still technically people. Like we can't just kill these people because they have a disease that we can't cure. And you know, there's this, you know, sort of tension between people saying like, they're too dangerous to be left to be alive. And there's other people saying, well, it's not their fault that they're infected. Uh, and then the quote unquote cured are looked down upon there's like segregation. They're not allowed in certain places. And uh, again, I don't know if that was a specific commentary on civil rights, but it seemed a little heavy handed to not be. Uh, and then while I'm on the tangent about zombie-esque movies, I saw a little movie called The Night Eats the World. I don't know if it was a French production, but it takes place in France. It's just about a guy who goes to his girlfriend's apartment, you know, her ex-girlfriend to get some stuff. There's hmm. a party. Yeah. Um, she says like, oh, like go down this hallway to this room and like we'll talk then he gets drunk passes out doors locked he wakes up and mayhem has ensued there was like a plague outbreak of zombies and then most of the movie is just him learning how to adjust to the crushing boredom of being the only uninfected person in probably all of paris it's basically like the mall like the mall scene in dawn of the dead where they're doing all that like quote-unquote fun shit until you realize like that's only fun for like a day and then you're you know, criminally bored. One interesting thing about it was that the infected didn't make any noise, which doesn't really sound like it would be all that striking or exceptional, but it's unsettling when there are hordes yeah. of people trying to kill you and they're not making a sound. It's very weird. Yeah, that's very weird. Especially when you're used to these movies where they're they're doing like a growling or like a making a dumb fucking pig noise. Like there were scenes where this guy would wake up and there'd be like barred windows and these things are like reaching through the window and not moaning, not hissing, not screaming. They're just completely silent. Also, there's a, 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 a gloss song in that, which I thought was pretty cool. That is very cool. Uh, and then I watched a movie called Mom and Dad, starring Nicolas Cage and Selma Blair. Uh, it was fun. I think a lot of it, you know the, the plot is like one day there's a broadcast that basically makes you want to kill your own children. And it's it's been described as a black comedy, and there's definitely like a lot of lines that were like written for comedic purposes. But I think like a lot of the absurdity of it came from the fact that like like let's say I had a child, sure, and we were I had my child here and you were here with Maeve, yeah, and then this broadcast hit and you tried to kill Maeve, I would be like, yo, what are you doing? And I'd hold you down and be like, you can't, don't you dare hurt that little girl. And right. then I would try to kill my child while you, tri you know what I mean? So it's like you still have that like connection to other people yeah you just want to murder your own children that's crazy and there's a scene where um nicholas cage's father shows up mm -hmm. and he like sees nicholas cage's son he's like hey 
there's my buddy. What's up, kiddo? And he's like super, like genuine, like grandfatherly excited to see him. Yeah. And then he sees Nicolas Cage and he's like, I'm going to fucking murder. I'm going to gut you like a fucking pig. <laughs> so like there's all these like moments where it's like there's this weird, these people are supposed to be these like cold blooded murderers because they want to murder the people. Like they want to go against the most basic instinct of right. parenthood. Right. And yet when they see like another child in danger, they're like, oh, oh no. Right. Oh no, I have to stop that. Well, I mean, I've come out on this podcast as pro-child murder. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, o- only because of those movies where there's killer kids. I'm just so tired. I'm yeah. Unless they have magical powers, I'm tired of killer kid movies. I don't want to see another. Yeah, one. there doesn't need to be any. And you know, I'm going to say it too. The Omen is not a killer kid movie. No, that's it's different. not. It's no, not no, a no, killer no, kid no, movie. No, no, no. But it, the idea that like, oh no, there's all these children and they want to kill all the adults, but they're still they're still just children. But they have this weapon, and that they're children. I'm like, the world is not actually that kind. No. Like the gimmick of we're just kids. Oh wait, now we're murdering you. That could work for one, two, maybe even three times. But the fourth person who's figuring this out is going to go, oh, I'm going to kill all even these kids. the village of the damned, the original one. Yeah, where it's like there's like the multiple sites around the world where these yeah, things yeah, happened. Yeah. I think it is it in Australia or like the in the Inuit village where they're just yeah. like, they killed. When those kids are born, they killed them right away. Huh. Those savages. And then it's like, <laughs> oh, because they fucking knew. Because, you know, like, that's what would happen. They'd be like, oh, these babies can possess our minds. Murder them. <laughs> Throw them into the crematorium. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry if that's offensive. But, it, I mean, but it, 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 it's not offensive because we're explaining why killer kid movies don't work. It, 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 in small doses, if I'm to believe the kid is smart enough, that they're going around being nice most of the time and they just wait till they get you alone. But in all these movies, it's just a mass of kids. And I'm like, okay, if it's like a hundred kids, I get you. Yeah. If it's eight children, what adult Did you ever see did you ever see the movie? I think it's called The Plague with James Vanderbeek? No. Um, the plot of that is like one day everyone under the age of ten falls into a coma. Sure. And then eleven years later they all wake up and start m- and this is like worldwide. Yeah. And then like 11 years later, they all just wake up at once and start murdering everyone. Whoa. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Okay. Uh, the last movie I saw that I enjoyed was a, and I use the term enjoyed lightly because this movie made me feel disgusting about myself. Sure. Was a little movie called Possum. Oh, uh, I meant to watch that before recording. Holy I didn't get a chance God to. in heaven. Uh, so a lot of people, when I posted like on the hard business Instagram and the, you know, my own personal Instagram, the poster is just like, it's like black and white and there's like a, like a med- medical bag and it looks like a spider's crawling out of it. And people were like, oh, nope, not, I don't know, spiders. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That puppet is the best thing about this movie. Sure. That puppet is the thing that would make you the least uncomfortable in this movie. Yeah. Uh, I won't go into what it's about really. Um, the lead actor was actually, he was in a movie that I hate, uh, that I hated. He was in Prometheus. He was like the Scottish scientist. who was like a new metal jerk off. And he was like, but then he also played Ian Curtis in 24 hour party people. And he's fucking great in that. Okay. Um, but no, if you want to watch him, if you're, okay, if you're having a really good day, a really good week, like I'm talking like, let's say like two weeks ago, you just start seeing someone new, like a girl or boy or whatever. And you're having a really good feeling about it, and like things are really well with your family, and you just got a promotion at work, and it's like Christmas time, so right about now, and you're just on top of the world, and you just you take it down a notch. You watch this movie, and it'll take you down all the notches. <laughs> You'll want to go to sleep forever after watching this movie. I finished this movie and just laid in bed in the dark, looking at the ceiling, being like, 
Yeah. So. I mean, that's how you end most nights, but. I it guess, is. Yeah. I mean, usually horror is an escape from, uh, horror cinema is an escape from the horrors of reality. Right. This was just like. You delved back into the horrors of reality? <laughs> um, Yeah. Except this made me realize how much worse my childhood could have actually been. Like, not oh, that I had a bad childhood. This made sure, me realize sure, that, sure, like, sure, sure, sure. again, the spider weird fucking Muppet in the movie yeah. is, like, at the end of the movie, you're like, I wish that was the worst thing about this movie. I wish that was sure, the creepiest thing. Sure. There were scenes in this movie that I don't physically cringe often at movies. Yeah. This movie made me, like, uh, like, like this, like, primordial, like, tightening inside of me. Like, this is not, right. I shouldn't be watching this. Uh, also, it involves child abuse, so just trigger warning, I guess, if you're yeah, sensitive to stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. I mean, like, not like, you know, we just talk about mom and dad, how they're killing kids. This is a very grim, very serious, very realistic look at child abuse. So sure. if that's not your bag, I would not advise you to watch this movie. Yeah. Um, I forgot one other thing, just because I hadn't realized it was so long since we recorded. Um, I saw a movie called The God in My Ear. Okay. Um, and it's uh, a very sort of plotting indie film in some ways uh you know one of these sort of low budget kind of uh um reality bending sort of films okay i didn't i didn't love it but i think there's something there and i'd like to see more the director is actually a visual artist that a lot of people know okay um i wanted to see it it played at uh philly unnamed film festival and i couldn't get there for it so it i got to a screener sent to me by a friend of the show justin harlan uh of um grindhouse messiah podcast and uh the f- uh is this website called farsighted still the farsighted yeah i believe so yeah yeah i didn't know if he had changed it because he's doing all the grindhouse messiah gotcha. stuff, i think it's still the farsighted anyways uh harlan's great i mean i always bust on him but i actually like him and uh, he's working with a film festival, and they, he sent me the screener, and I was supposed to write it up, and I never did. So <laughs> let me just say right now, you you should check it out if you're someone who likes your... Hey, don't piss off Harlan. He knows where I work, so he could take his wrath out. That's true. Uh, if you if you like things... Let me put it this way. it's I think it still falls into the horror genre generally. I think it's probably more like a magical realism film that bends towards the uncomfortable. You know, you could have magical realism that's like... Yeah. Fun. Or you can have a reality bending film that's like cool and goofy. This is not fun. It's ups- it's upsetting, but it it's some people won't consider it a horror just because it it doesn't ramp up quite as intensely as it could. But it, it definitely was. There's definitely something there that's uncomfortable. Uh, and I like small movies that are still trying to figure their stuff out. So I, I don't want to say too much about it because it is very much a what's real, what's not kind of movie. Mm. How much of what this girl is hearing and seeing and experiencing is real. Uh, and I don't want to like give any of that away. Uh, because if you do watch I mean, you, you know, people might not find it. But if you do find it and you want to watch it, it's worth going in. Like, don't watch a trailer. Just just go, just and, go watch and watch it. it. Yeah. Uh, again, it's not my, like, it wasn't like my favorite thing or anything like that. Like, uh, but it's, I think it's worth checking out, especially if you're someone who wants to support like indie horror. Like, this is a low budget, you know, whatever. And I, th- I thought it was pretty well done, you know? Cool. So, you know, support. Uh. The last movie I saw that I I, I kind of liked, um, I watched a movie called Marrowbone. I haven't heard of this. Uh, it's interesting. Um, it, it had two twists at the end. Okay. And even the one twist wasn't really at the end. Okay. But it, it had like it had like it, it built its. It's basically about these like 
um, these four kids, their mother dies. Um, they move from England back to America. I believe it's like New Englandy to the house she grew up in. It's a home called Marabone. It's like a big mansion. Um, and they're moving to escape from someone or something, we'll say. And she passes away and it's up to the, the oldest to like protect his siblings. And there's something in the house that's stalking them. And on top of that, there's like a lawyer who th- who's who's trying to get to the bottom. He thinks these kids are, you know, deceiving him. So there's like a twist sort of like, I guess, three quarters of the way through that. I was like, oh, that's pretty interesting. You know, I, I, I'm that that was neat. And then there's a twist at the end that I felt was completely unnecessary and kind of took away from the movie from me. Like the first one, the, the first twist would have been would have been great. The second one was just sort of like. Did you not have faith that this movie was going to have as much of an impact as it as it did? Because it was fine as it was, and then this this second twist sort of um, was just a little too much. Well, I mean that'll happen. Yeah, I just realized I should have said that that movie was sent to me as part of the Buried Alive Film Festival. Oh, okay. My bad. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> just occurred to me. I was like, wait, I didn't say. Well, I, uh, I started watching the current or this most recent season of Channel Zero. I have not finished last season yet. This one has Barbara Crampton in it. Well, yeah, then I'm going to watch it. So it's great. It's spooky. It's everything you want from... I'm two episodes in, and I am chomping at the bit for more. I am uh, also chomping at the bit, but I am chomping at the bit for the uh, holiday special of uh, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, because (laughs) I liked that show a lot, and I want uh, more of it. So there's going to be a holiday special, and I'm excited. Liam is excited. Uh, Now I'm done saying nice things. About things I saw. Now I'm going to talk about two movies that I um, wish I hadn't seen. Okay, there you go. Uh, I watched a little movie that someone in this room who's not me and whose name rhymes with Mia Momonel recommended to me. Uh-oh. A little movie called Primal Rage. Oh, I didn't recommend you. It definitely you. did. No, no, no. That no, is no, on no. record. That is on the episode you brought it up and said I should... You, you said you saw a trailer for it and you said I should check it out. I said you should check out the trailer. I didn't recommend the movie because I haven't seen the movie. Whatever. All I said was, have you seen this Primal Rage trailer? I know you like Bigfoot. The, even the trailer looks stupid. Okay. My entire endorsement wasn't even, I think it looks good. It was, it's about Bigfoot and you're obsessed with Bigfoot. This movie would not have come to my life without you and you are 25% to blame for that. First of all, we know that's not true because as soon as you heard from anywhere that there was a Bigfoot horror movie, you would search it out and watch it. That's not true. I didn't. I didn't. I, I haven't searched out the Valley of the Sasquatch. Okay, so you found one obscure Bigfoot movie you haven't seen yet, but you will definitely see eventually. This movie is not going to make my top 20 of 2018. <laughs> um, it was the most agrarious offender. Egregious. Egregious offender. Agrarian. It was agrarian, the most farm-based. It was the most egregious use of the wise Native American movie. Oh god damn it. It's ever, 2018. Ever I think that came out like 2016. But 2018. Still. It's a 2018 movie. Really? Yes. Ugh. This movie, I I posted a clip on Instagram. I I'm at a loss of words and that doesn't happen often to me. Yeah. This there was a scene where again, 2018. This movie came out 2018. Sure. There was a scene where to find out how to fight the Bigfoot, they do like a smoke hole ritual where they drink like herbal tea and they have yeah. mystical visions. Oh. And then there's there's a lecture about, you know, the creature is as ancient as my people. When our ch- You know, all this like insane shit. Was anyone autistic in the room? That would have been no, but there was, full circle. There was like a witch that they console who has like magic herbs and elixirs and tinctures that she uses to like 
she looked like Mortise, the metal musician. Sure. So the only thing Mortise, she did. Jesus Christ, she did look like Mortise. Um, the only thing I'll give this movie a tiny bit of credit. The only thing that was like kind of cool was the creature design. Like most Bigfoot behaving badly movies, they either go like Patterson and Gimblin with their depiction, or in the case of Shriek of the Mutilated, full blown racist. Sure. This movie looked like you. You know what a mandrill is? They're like the the, the yeah 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 the, yeah the baboons. It looked like that. Like it had the, the like a snout. Sure. And then there was one scene where like it's like about to kill a guy and yeah. it's like fighting him and it like flips its lip up like like just like flips up. And I was like, I wonder. So I like looked it up like baboon threat displays. And that's the thing that baboons do. They flip their top lips up to show their fangs. So kudos to the effects designer whoever did that for adding that little thing. That was a nice little little diamond on a pile of shit. But you normally love Sasquatches behaving poorly. I do. Those bad, bad Bigfoot. They're so bad. They're so naughty. Those They're naughty, naughty Bigfoot. Naughty Bigfoot. They're not getting. They're getting coal in their stockings. Yeah. Uh, or shit. Or shit. Because that's what Santa does to bad Bigfoots. <laughs> um, have the Bigfoots accepted? Side pr- note. Side note. Wait a minute. Why haven't we made yet a movie in which? The naughty Bigfoots are visited by Krampus, and then there's a battle between naughty Bigfoot and Krampus. Give it, give the Sci-Fi Channel a year, and then it'll exist. I was gonna say, do Bigfoots celebrate Christmas? Have Bigfoots accepted Christ? <laughs> I mean, you know, Bigfoots have taken the Christ out of Christmas. That's the issue. Give the missionaries a chance, and they'll 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 force their beliefs upon the big feet. Or Bigfoots. the missionaries will get stoned to death, and then everyone will be mad at them. I won't. I'll I'll love the Bigfoot even more. I meant mad at the missionaries. Then that everyone's mad at that dude. Yeah, right. He's always a fucking asshole. Is weird. Is that whole thing was weird. We don't need to get into that. We don't know. Uh, and the last thing I saw that I watched, and I only watched forty five minutes of it because I couldn't take it anymore, was a movie called The Summer of Eighty Four. And that was a little bit of a disappointment because this movie was getting a, quite a bit of hype. I hear I've heard so many good things. Yeah, like so I was like going into it like I really want to enjoy this movie, and but it was just like every goddamn three fucking seconds there was like, who'd win in a battle? The Ewoks or the Stormtroopers? Oh, let's go watch Tron. Have you heard the new Depeche Mode? That's there's no references to Depeche Mode that I saw. I wish there was though. All the one kid's wearing a bad religion shirt because it's fucking punk. He's so he's so punk. Fucking punk. But this movie was so just dripping out of its asshole with 80s references and I just can't deal with that. I'm just, you know, it, it's like I get it because of Stranger Things that 80s chic is in right now. I just can't. It was just, I don't know. It was just too much. It was. It, it reminds me of like whenever there's like a food trend, there's always someone who goes to, you know what I mean? Like someone's like, it was like when, when, when Sriracha was cool. Yeah. There were places that started putting sriracha on stuff, and there's always the one place that like just goes somewhere where you're like, "That's not, that's yeah, too much." Don't do that. But you know, bacon. It's like, okay, we're wrapping asparagus in bacon. All right, we're wrapping scallops in bacon. Okay, we've made a lattice of bacon with more bacon, and then we wrapped a chicken in that and put pork belly in it. You're like, Jesus, fuck, guys. Yeah. Like, what is going? You know, that that happens where it's like. You know, I, I'm a Stranger Things fan, and I get that some people don't like even that, but I don't think Stranger Things is quite at the point where it is like, uh, um, you know, uh, chocolate in chocolate with more. You know what I mean? This it, was so, obs- it was it was honestly like every, and I'm not, no, no hyperbole, I would say every 10 to 15 seconds there was uh, a, a blatant reference to 80s pop culture. So I was I was just not even repentant. Not even repent. Yeah. 
So that's what, what if we made something like that, but it was it, like we made it like it was a, like a nostalgia fest, but it was set exactly right now, and it just had constant <laughs> references to 2018. Yeah. Like the back missionary in, getting killed? Back in 2018. Just play like... like just, or No, we said it just in 2017, so it was just like lots of Bruno Mars and Beyonce on the soundtrack. Yeah. yeah. Well, you couldn't afford that, actually. No, but I'd still be down with that. Yeah. So that's all we've been doing recently. I guess we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about 1984's horror fantasy fucking movie, <laughs> The Company of Wolves. Brilliant film just a heads up you're gonna hear me mispronounce wolf because my stupid eastern pennsylvania accent oh you do say it weird huh? i do say wolf wolf just get ready for that there's all these wolves there's these wolves and they're just wolfing around (laughs) all right we'll be back a family pet a bedtime story the familiar landscape of childhood. You have to come out sometime. You can't sulk in there forever. Where witches and wolves are the forces of evil. Where good will triumph and all will end happily. Your granny spoils you. She makes you think you're something special. That red shirt. But this is no fairy tale. This is where legend ends and survival begins. Where the dreams of childhood hold no promise of a happy ending. Big eyes you have. Worst kind of wolves are hairy on the inside. And when they bite you, they drag you with them to hell. About 1984's The Company of Wolves. Le Company de Wolves. <laughs> That's not. That wasn't French. No, it's not. It's not it's French. Very English. There's a French word for company and wolves, probably. I believe the French word for wolf is. Le Bark? 
Yeah, LeBarc. Because <laughs> when you say wolf, it sounds like you're saying woof. Woof, yeah. No, it's like it's like lo, lo, loop, Lupe. Well, that would make sense from the Latin. Yeah. Lobo. That's Espanol. I'm going to stop talking about El this. El Espanol. <laughs> so this movie is stupid, and it's about a teenage girl in a country Stop movie. it. It is. I was not in love with this movie. This one it was a classic. written and directed by Neil Jordan, stars Sarah Patterson, uh, Angela Lansbury, Lansbury, David Warner, Brian Glover, who you might know as the the fucking remember the Alamo guy from American Werewolf from London, uh, Graham Crowden, Catherine Pogson, and Stephen Ray. Yay! The plot of this movie is um, a girl falls asleep and has a dream about some shit, and Angela Lansbury tells a story, and there's wolves prowling in the woods below her bedroom window. Um. I think what struck me about this movie is I remember I always remember seeing the poster when I was younger. You probably know the poster. It's of the guy howling and the fucking wolf snout coming out of his out of his mouth. Um, that poster is the best thing about this movie. Stop it. So, okay, talk about your experience of the movie. I want to hear I just, your feelings. It was just it. okay. I'm not. It was a little too fantastic for me. A little too fairy tale ish. You know, like, I don't mind fairy tale elements to horror movies. Sure. Um, you know, I think Guillermo del Toro is really good at doing that. But th- th- this was just a little too... It also had, like, a weird anthology feel to it, but not quite enough to, you know, for me to get into as an anthology film. Uh, it's it just also, I don't know, like some some of the effects really, like, rub me the wrong way. Whoa, I think the effects are some of the strongest parts of the movie. Maybe you're right, because the rest of this movie definitely rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, um, I don't know. I just, it just, this movie didn't grab me. It didn't grab me and, and, and bite me and, and shake me like the way a wolf would if I was a little innocent lamb who's so defenseless and I hope nothing bad happens to me. Well, okay. I think it's fair to say that this is maybe in some ways more of a fantasy film. Yeah, it's than not as good as Dog film. Soldiers or The Howling. Okay, that's fair. Um, <laughs> but I'm just I'm I'm confused a little bit at the extent to which you didn't. I'm not surprised that you're like, well, it's all right, whatever. But you like, it felt like you really didn't like this movie. No, I did. I mean, it, it, I'm not gonna say it's a bad movie. It just it was a movie that wasn't for me, but it very much wasn't for me. So, for for those of y'all who are uh, unfamiliar with the film, it's definitely a, a story within a story within a story. Within a story, within a story, within a story. It goes on and on and on. It's uh, like Russian dolls. And I will say that some of the... There are aspects of the film I don't love. I think that pacing is a little weird. Yeah. I think it's a film that's really attempting to talk about um, coming of age and female sexuality and even like the idea of like sexual predation. Yeah. But it's done by a British dude who I don't think has a lot of insight. So, like, I I think the are we, are we, I think, are, are we talking about the Huntsman? I think the original short story that this movie is based off of, from what I've read, it sounds like, uh, took the very Freudian elements of this story and used it as a way to talk about men and patriarchy and the way the world is. Not as like a political piece, but like that's part of what's going on. 
and I think there's hints of that in this movie, but in the end, it just ends up being kind of a, of a saucy, violent tale, and not really like it doesn't really get anything that deep, and it's a little obvious in its metaphors, like oh now she's becoming one of the wolves, oh, like can she's I, can I giving say- into her inner. So I think a lot of that is a little bit hamfisted. What I don't understand is how uh, you don't seem to appreciate some of the things that I think are amazing. One, real, real quick, can I just say one thing I did yeah. like about the movie? I like to see where the people turn into dogs at the party. Oh <laughs> that was, <laughs> I thought that was really awesome. A, I think it's a beautiful film. I think it's amazing. The set design shot. was good. I like this. It's not just the set design. I like the camera work. I like the framing. I like visually everything about the movie. Okay. I think it's a visually. A uh, beautiful film, and I've now watched it uh, with us, you know, in, at my home, mm-hmm. and then I saw it on thirty five millimeter at the Harathon. Okay, uh, though I did fall asleep during that screening because hmm. it it's was a movie. Because it was at two in the morning. I will say there's pacing issues, and I think in the middle it gets a little boring, which is frustrating because I think the beginning is pretty strong i'm i'm all the stuff in the modern world it's like i think that's a cool setup a little weird in some ways but i think it works i think the story with the traveling man i like that story i think that's great um and what is a traveling man bro it's it's medieval times no it's like 18th century it's not medieval times no it's set it's not set in the 18th century that's set in the 18th century. I don't think so. They wore powdered wigs in the medieval times. They weren't wearing. Who was wearing powdered wigs? The fucking party where they all turn into dogs, and it's the best part of the movie. No, that's not the fucking. Okay, okay. We have. Uh, I think you're not getting the layers here. You've got modern <sighs> times. Then you've got the first dream sequence. Okay. That could be 18th century. Okay. The story about the fucking traveling man is further in the past. Okay. So much so that anyone who goes from village to village is a fucking nomad weirdo. Okay. I mean, I'm sure in a very real way, because this is a British film, Traveling Man it just is a racist term for gypsy, I'm sure. Hence, <laughs> Which is in itself a racist hence, term. Hence the idea. Oh, yeah, sure. I should, say, uh, I should say Roma. My bad. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like It's a term for a group of people you don't trust. These, in fact, what I'm saying is even they're not... In the film, there's not even an indication necessarily that they're Roma. Although, maybe if you think... All Roma people have unibrows or some weird crazy But they shit. like this guy. They're fucking celebrating and all this shit when he's getting married. Yeah, it's just because she's getting married. As soon as he's gone the next day, they're all like, uh, she shouldn't have married a traveling man. <laughs> she married a traveling man. Of course he disappeared. And she's like, there's literal wolf prints outside of the house. So she's like, he came out to make... I mean, first of all, you have to know it's medieval. Because he's saying to call make water. Ch- yeah. He came, she's out, cool. he came out to make water. She's cool with him pissing in the lawn. <laughs> well, yeah. It's a fucking... Who cares? Back in the day. So he goes out to pee. They don't. It's not like they have a, a toilet in the house. The option is a pot. You know? So he goes out to pee. He disappears. There's clearly wolf tracks. And all the villagers are like giving her a jerk off motion, like, "Yeah, sure, the wolves took him." <laughs> yeah, right, lady. <laughs> Just because half the people in the village have been killed by wolves doesn't mean your guy was killed by wolves, because he's a traveling man with a unibrow. So yeah. that means you shouldn't have married him. We're getting off track here. I mean, we are. I don't think we are. We're actually describing the movie, but if you've never seen the movie before, you might be confused. The point is, is that it's a series of uh, stories that are related to um, 
desire, jealousy, hidden things, people who are scary. Secrets. Yes, yeah, just like sort of discovery. Uh, there's all this like uh, nascent sexuality stuff going on there. I just don't know. And this is an against, I think Neil Jordan is a fine director. He's directed lots of stuff. Like what? I don't know. I don't have it in front of me. Do you I do, it? and I don't give a fuck. About any of it? <laughs> Stop it. Let me see what he's done. Let me, let me. Are you serious? No, oh, you being just fucking take it down a notch. I'm going to see. Why are you being like this, you fuckhole? Um, he did the crying game. I love Neil Jordan. Yeah. Uh, of course. I. So I'm not on IMDb. I went to Letterboxd. So it's not in order of when they came out. It's in fucking order of like popularity okay which isn't helpful because i know this is his second movie so i was trying to see what the first movie was and i can't fucking tell maybe it was the good thief maybe it was not i maybe it was in dreams i don't fucking know uh yeah i like neil jordan he's done a lot of stuff that i like he's fine i mean i love the crying game uh in fact looking at this list the only thing on this list that i've seen that i don't like which isn't to say that it's all great because i haven't seen all these movies but uh i've never, I've never been a fan of uh, Interview with a Vampire. I know a lot of people love it, but I don't love it. Did Sorry. he direct that? Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm looking at the list right here. Byzantium, uh, Crying Game, Mona Lisa, uh, The Brave One, Michael Collins, which is not a great movie, but I love it because I care about Michael Collins. Uh, Undine. What is this Interview with the Vampire was called Interview with the Vampire, The Vampire Chronicles? No, that's a... That's a um, that's because of what's her name. I think that's become the name because the whole series was called The Vampire Chronicles. Oh, that's stupid. I like Interview with the Vampire. See, that's the only film he's directed on here that I've seen that I don't like. Okay. I don't hate it. Yeah. I'm just not a big fan. Okay, sorry. So Enough about Neil Jordan. The point is, is that, you know, this is his second feature and I'm not sure. I think he's always wanted, I think his movies often deal with the evils of men. And uh, and a world that is dangerous for women. I just feel like this movie doesn't quite get there for me. It doesn't quite work as that, and it ends up just being about I don't know. I don't know. I I don't think that any of the metaphorical angles of the movie are very impactful. So no. in that sense, I could see why someone like my co-host wouldn't like it. But I think that you can't even address me directly. But I think the fucking effects of it are actually really great. I think the performances are pretty solid. I love Angela Lansbury in it and uh I love Stephen Ray in it. And um and I think overall it works and it's it's worth watching. I just don't I get the idea that towards the middle is skishy. Let's put it that way. The middle of the film gets a little slow and it loses some of the thread of why you're watching this thing in the first place. Yes. But it doesn't ruin the movie for me. And I actually think it ends pretty strong. So, you know, it is what it is. And again, I think, you know, I'm someone who doesn't like historically werewolf movies where the werewolves are wolves. Like, I prefer the man beast version. Absolutely. I think that we, we agree on that. I think literally the only movie I like where it's a, like, a, like a wolf mm-hmm. hellhound is An American Werewolf in London. See, that's for me, it. For me, it would be this movie. Really? I like American War from London. Yeah, of course. I would kill you if you didn't. Right. But I mean, even that one, that is like a little different because it's so bestial. It's more of a These are out. just dogs that they make look like wolves, basically. Yeah. But that being said. I like when they're at the party. Unlike you, I think the way that they film them 
makes them look haunting and scary. When all the when the pack with, with is the running, eyes? when the pack is running through the wool through the woods with the with the shiny eyes, that shit is fucked up. That's, that's effective. That's I'll, I'll give you that. Shit. That's effective. I I just think it's I think it's visually haunting, and it shows me that Neil Jordan has an eye, and that we would see that later in a lot of his later films. Even Interview with the Vampire, which I don't love the the movie, I think is visually impressive. Crime yeah. Game, I think is. I think he's he's got a, a great eye. Um, I just think the story is a little bit. What makes the story move forward is not the tension of the narrative because there's 20 different stories in there. There's nothing to be tense about per se. What would make it work is all the subtext. There's clearly all this Freudian psychological, sexual, adolescent sexuality, becoming a woman, dangerous thing, subtext going on. And I just feel like the movie loses that. It doesn't stick with it the whole time. And by the end, you're kind of like... Why did I? What, what? What was the point of this? I think it leans a little too heavily into that at times, especially with the thing about the wolf coming out from under the ground mm-hmm. and turning into the little like it. It, it gets this. I kind of disagree. I think it could have. I think actually the movie would work better if it leaned into it more. Really? I think it doesn't work because it is um, not that it's too subtle. It's never subtle <laughs> that it's doing this, but. Um, it doesn't focus on that in how the movie works out. It's the movie still wants to be. It's still filmed in a way that it wants to be like a haunting kind of disturbing, not quite horror, but like a horror like fantasy yeah. movie. And I just think a little more scenes that were working on that sexuality angle, I think, would have actually brought that forward more instead of having it be kind of in the background in a very obvious way. It functions for me right now like a gorilla in the room that we're not talking about as opposed to a gorilla that we're watching perform and we're going, oh, look at this great gorilla. <laughs> Everybody, look, the gorilla's here. He's doing his thing. Gorilla's going to tap dance. He's going to eat a banana. It's going to be great. Instead, it's all like, all right, no one talk about the fact that this movie is about puberty. Let's Except what you said at the very end when the wolves crash through the window. Yeah. <laughs> what did I say? I don't even remember. Uh, I, I, I expressed... Uh, disgust and anger that the wolves had broken into the real world. I believe you said something like, yeah, they can smell her womanhood now or something like that. I was like, but why are they real? The whole movie, it's not that they're... Thinking that they're actually real at the end is not... That's not what's going on there. It's part of this bending of reality. It's a whole metaphorical thing going on there. For what? Metaphor for what? It's all about puberty and sex, man. She's got hair. That's what the movie's about. But the wolves are real now. Oh, my God. Don't be this person, please. I don't want to have this conversation. Well, we're going to have this conversation. (laughs) Why did the dog with the wolves in the room? Where is the dog at? The German Shepherd that she had. Did she have a German Shepherd? I'm just confusing both these movies. Yeah, no, it was a German Shepherd. Okay. I thought maybe He, like, comes to her room? Yeah, yeah. 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 Because he smells her womanhood? (laughs) No, that was was the wolves. That was the wolves. (laughs) I don't know. I, I think I really do think that um, I can agree with you that it doesn't work, but I don't. I think saying like "oh, they did it too much" is. I think that idea is all the movie has, other than it looks cool and has some co- very cool effects. The rest of the movie is that subtext, so I think you pull it out even more than the movie does, and have it really be about that in a in a stronger way. I think. But, you know, whatever. The point is is that I, it's not my favorite werewolf movie or anything like that. But I'm, I'm surprised at the extent to which you were... No, I didn't hate this movie. I didn't think it was a bad movie. You were not into it. No, exactly. I'm, uh, like, I know that when someone says, you know, I didn't love it, it's just a way of saying, like, fuck it. Yeah. But this is literally like, 
I mean, I didn't hate this movie. Like, this movie was better than some of the movies I talked about earlier that, like... Yeah, sure. You know what I mean? Like, it was just... It, it had good things about it. But you wanted... It, you really didn't like when the wolves are real at the end. I was just like, what the fuck? It was just like... <laughs> I mean, I didn't, like, start... <laughs> you must hate, like, uh, The Adventures of Baron Von Munchausen or never Time Ka- Time Plea or whatever. No, Time Bandits. Time Bandits? Yeah. I like Time Bandits. Time bandits pushes what is real in time. You know what I mean? I'm okay with the bending of time and space. But not wolves because you want them to leave that poor girl alone. Leave that poor girl. Just because she's wearing her sister's lipstick does not mean she needs to be consumed by sex wolves. I just felt that the whole movie was so focused on this being a dream and all of a sudden it's real. I just... Because in a way it is real. Sure. Her feelings are real. Yeah. Oh my god! But like, look, man. When I wake up in the middle of the night from a nightmare, fucking the Whitley Strieber communion lines aren't in my room with me. Because well, you're not in a movie. Touche. But if we made a movie of your life where you just kept having those nightmares, and then at the end the aliens were real, I wouldn't be like, "Oh, that's corny. They broke the barrier." I'd be like, "Yeah, badass, man. Let's do yeah, this." Fuck Justin. He finally got what was coming to him. <laughs> no, aliens should leave you alone. I wish they would stop. They should. Sending probes to you, you to probe you. In your nose. Yeah, that's the worst. Mm-hmm. Nasal sinus probes are the worst. I would assume. Yeah. Um okay, so let me just say this. If you're looking for a scary movie with a man beast werewolf, this is clearly not for you. No. This is uh not very scary. It has some very disturbing nightmare images in it. Um, I the the scene where the wolf it looks fake. Maybe it's like an uncanny valley type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of which, I also saw on the, saw Annihilation because it made me think of that. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah we don't yeah, need yeah. to talk because that movie's been dissected. It's so good though. It is very good. Yeah. Um, the fucking bear. Oh yeah. Was nightmare fuel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was sort of like a similar thing where it's like they have this like animatronic skinned wolf and the eyes are so obviously fake but so lifeless yeah and yet they contain a spark of life that should not be there right and i'm not be i'm being melodramatic but like right. i mean that, like that's like they looked alive in a way that i was like that's like an inch away from being like me being like and there's about a lo- and to be fair there's a lot of animal work in this movie and yeah. and some of those wolves might have been actual there's a couple of there's a lot of scenes with dogs, but there's a couple of scenes with wolves that I'm like, is that just a big dog? Because it kind of looks like a wolf right yeah. now. That's a scary. If that is a dog, fuck you for owning that dog. <laughs> like that is a scary dog. So even if it's even if the whole movie's dogs and there's no wolves in the movie, the animal work involved in the movie is no joke. I mean, just the the John climbing out of the well. Yeah, that's crazy. There's dogs running everywhere in this movie. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I like this movie. <laughs> you don't like this movie. Because because I think what it's lacking for you is that um all the tension except for a couple of scenes, all the tension in the movie is gone. It's not really No, there's no at no point did I did I feel like even when scary shit was happening, I was like, yeah, but like who gives a shit? You know, this because because it, do you think partly cuz the whole thing's like a, supposed to be a dream? No, it just it didn't feel like I I just didn't feel threat. I mean, the Huntsman was threatening. Sure, 
but the huntsman was threatening in a way that like the fucking 25 year old guy who used to like park his car outside the high school parking lot and like try to pick up girls was like threatening sure you know like that guy was a creep but it wasn't i didn't feel like this sense of like dread or apprehension that like something truly terrible was about to happen yeah because when he's like when when this dude is like i'll make you a bet that i can get to your grandmother's house before you and if i win i get a kiss you're like yeah that's creepy but like this dude's not gonna do anything more than kiss her right like i didn't feel there's any real danger in the movie even when steven ray turns into a, were- into a werewolf and gets his head chopped off and then they fucking throw it in a pail of milk see i i gotta say that part i thought was great it's cool i guess oh my gosh i don't know I mean, don't get me wrong. People don't listen to the show to hear us agree. It's, no. It's fine that we... I mean, they do, but its I don't think it's bad that we don't agree on I it. also... I, I, I just... It's weird, because I, I wouldn't put this movie on like my top werewolf movies, per se, but I really like it, and I really no, enjoy I'm large not, portions of it. Yeah, I'm not bad-mouthing you for... But I'm man, not even... That fucking middle... I will say, okay, it does get a little tiresome. An- another thing that like really... I guess maybe this is my own fault for having like any sort of expectations for anything, but... I've seen numerous people put this in like when people talk about like werewolf transformation scenes, they're like the company wolves. It's so fucking cool. And I watched it. and I was like, there's nothing spectacular about this. I disagree. I don't think it's as good as American werewolf in London, obviously, but American werewolf in London is real. Like it feels <laughs> real. You watch it and you're like, oh, that's what would happen. There yeah, it is. That's He's arguably really- the greatest practical effects scene but I think the scene in this one is not, it doesn't feel real, but it's so goddamn nice. He pulls his own skin off, man. Yeah, but. He, and his skeleton extends to be a wolf. Yeah, but, you know, that that's how the transformation scene happens in Van Helsing, and it's not anything great. Yeah, but this is great. Yeah, I know. Oh, my God. I'm just saying, I'm uh, the whole thing with the were the werewolf. You just brought up Van Helsing. I'm so sad right now. That's how the werewolf thing. That's what it does. It tears its own skin off, and there's a wolf under there. But this is really good. I don't know. I you Van know. Helsing isn't bad, except for Boromir. He's terrible. I don't know his real name. <laughs> he sucks. He's the guy who was in the fucking Iron Fist, which also sucked. Oh, the guy in the dad, the evil. Oh yeah. He's Van Helsing's shitty sidekick that brings that movie uh, down. I mean, not that the movie was very high to begin with, but. I can't believe you prefer Van Helsing to the company of Wolves. I didn't say that. You said that. <laughs> Look, side note, my, own, my only thing about Van Helsing is like when I first saw it, and his name is like Gabriel, and they're like, he's the left hand of God. I was like, he's the fucking Archangel Gabriel, I bet. And then they like alluded to that heavily. I was like, yeah, religious degree right here. Like, <laughs> Good work. Yeah. Okay, um, so I think you should see this movie if you haven't seen it. Yeah, I think Justin doesn't think that. I will say that if you want to see a movie that I didn't like, <laughs> you should, I mean, fuck, 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 watch it. I don't give a shit. It's fine. <laughs> there are worse movies you could watch. Don't, don't watch Primal Rage or any of the movies I said I didn't like. But this movie, you should watch. I like the scene also when she's looking out the. When the girl's having the dream and there's the shot out the window and there's the mountain in the distance, that was very Christmassy for me. That felt very Christmas time. Okay. I don't know why. I can see that. Yeah. Because Christmas is a haunting time. I mean, it should be. So are we done talking about the Company of Wolves? Yeah, I guess we are. All right. I think we'll take a quick break. I'm going to sip some more uh, Silk Nog Original from the Silk Company. It's dairy-free soy nog. It's one quart 
And it's your holiday classic, ringing the season with notes of nutmeg and cinnamon and the smooth, velvety flavor of silk soy nog. You can raise a festive glass or two without feeling naughty because our Wait, nog is made without eggs. are we sponsored by Silk Nog? If that's what you're trying to say, if they want to, then let's do it. No, I'm saying don't read about Silk Nog I'm on the show unless we're sponsored. going to sip my Silk Nog, and when oh we come back, God, we're going to talk about go. 1996's Bad Moon. We'll be right back. See ya. A house on the edge of the woods. Out here it's safe and peaceful. A family alone. Mom? Yes, sweetheart? Can you leave the door open a crack? A favorite uncle who needed their help. Things haven't been going so good for me since I got back, sis. Come stay with us. But when they invited him in... I think I better keep my eye on you. They let in something they could never imagine. Or ever escape. What's wrong with you? Bad Moon. It doesn't have to be Halloween to be this scary. And we are back to talk about 1996's werewolf horror film, Bad Moon. Werewolf. One man struggled to contain the curse he hides within and his last-ditch attempt to free himself with the love of his family. But when it looks as if he's losing his battle and endangering all he holds most dear, the family dog, Thor, played by Chris Hemsworth, is the last hope for his family's survival and the end to his werewolf curse. Did you just say the, the dog is Chris Hemsworth? <laughs> Jesus. Shout out to my man, Gray Coyote, graycoyote at geocities.com, who wrote that summary on uh, IMDb. Uh, this movie was uh, directed by Eric Red, written by Wayne Smith, who wrote the novel Thor. It's based on starring Meryl Hemingway, Michael Pere, Mason Gamble. Mason Gamble, that kid was in... Dennis the Menace and Groundhog Day. Yep, that's right. And Rushmore. I fucking knew it was the little kid from Rushmore. Oh, that's the kid from Rushmore. Rushmore, yeah. Dirk. <laughs> little Dirk. Um, yeah, basically, like, that plot synopsis I read so dramatically and perfectly sums up this movie. Uh, it's about this guy who, you know, he's a guy, he has a trailer. It opens up with a gratuitous sex scene in... Where was that, where, where was that movie? Where did the opening scene? Was that Borneo or South America? I think it was Borneo. Yeah. Are werewolves a problem in Borneo? Is there a rich werewolf lore in, in, in Borneo? They just wanted it to be in a jungle. It's just, it's in a jungle. Yeah, do werewolves live in the jungle? That's my question. I guess. I don't fucking know. I thought know. they had like were panthers or were armadilli. I don't know, man. Okay. So there's this scene and opens up in the jungle. We see um, Michael Pere. He's having, he's, he's doing a sex. He's doing a sex with his girl. He's doing quite the sex. Quite the sex. Girl. Quite the unnecessary sex, I'll say. And then um, a werewolf shows up and just ruins his boner. <laughs> ruins more than his boner. R- kills his girlfriend, kills several villagers. I'm yeah. assuming kills the horses. And he survives. And you know what happens when a werewolf bites you and you survive? We've all seen an American werewolf in London. You uh, live your life more carefully after that? Yes. Yeah. And you have sex with a hot nurse. <laughs> so 
Um, and then he goes back to, I'm assuming, um, America. I mean, it's Canada, but you're sure. Uh, whatever. Never say it's not America. Yeah, it's America. And um, his sister and her son and their beautiful dog come to help him out. They're like, hey, we don't like that. The fact you're living in a trailer by a, by a lake and you're very clearly lying to us about the where, the whereabouts of your girlfriend. So you should come stay with us. And um, like an asshole, he decides to do that because he thinks there's this weird, he's taking this weird gamble that maybe the love of his family will break the curse of the werewolf based on zero fucking evidence of that. I mean, there is a suggestion in the movie he's tried some other options. Yeah. But... They don't spend a lot of time on it. So no, they don't. There's not a lot of emotional weight to it. I I will say, if you're looking for a lot of uh internal werewolf monologue, uh if you're looking for a lot of struggle from the wolfman about his nature, if you're looking for a lot of lure, a lot of werewolf lore, which is this movie's not gonna give you any of that shit. No, no, no. Th- this movie it, it it comes at you with the bare bones uh plot device that makes a great werewolf movie, and that is um, human being who doesn't want to hurt the people he loves, but he's a fucking monster, and therein lies the struggle. It's what makes an American werewolf in London great. It's what makes the Wolfman great. I will argue that it this movie does not do that. It tries to do that. It, it comes at you with a bare... I'm saying, no, it definitely... That's how it sets itself up, but then it fails spectacularly in doing so. It's so... I, I think it's worth mentioning that this is based off a book, called Thor. Yeah, about the dog. Named after the dog. And the movie kind of pulls away from what the book is, but it doesn't completely. And that in the book, it's from the dog's perspective more. Yes. Not exclusively, but majorly from his viewpoint. And so it doesn't really matter in the book what the dude's struggles are. The book is about the dog's struggle to figure out what what he's going to do about this guy. So... I get why there's not a lot of source material for the makers of the film to talk about this dude's internal world. But they leave it almost, except for one short journal entry that is just bad. Yeah. there's You just don't, like, in watching the film, you're like, all right, he's up at the lake, he's killing people, he's trying not to be a werewolf, I get that. Now he's moving to his sister's backyard. This is a weird decision. Not That's what sure I'm saying. It's like it's like they 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 try they kind of set it up as this whole idea that maybe the love of his family can save him. So th- therein lies the connection to the, you know, maybe love can overpower all. Sure. But then this dude proceeds to make spectacularly bad decisions. Terrible decisions. Like, um, and like like okay, so he knows he knows that he's dangerous. He knows enough that he's dangerous to where these nights where there's a full moon. He goes out to the woods, away from his family, and he like handcuffs himself to a tree. Okay, to be fair, not a full moon. He goes every night. To okay, the moon yeah, or yeah. Not. Because he establishes that you, when you're a werewolf, you turn into a werewolf every night, regardless of what the moon yes. does. The moon is just that's just uh, whatever. Yeah, it's a bad moon. Oh my god. Well, that's part of the funny thing about the name of the movie because it's a big deal when he tells his nephew, "Doesn't matter what the moon's doing. Werewolf just turns into werewolf. Doesn't matter about the moon." And it's like. Why is it? Why is the movie called Bad Moon? Is there a good moon? Like yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> what? There's so, so it sort of suggests that he has this sense of awareness where he's like, okay, I have to take pre- preventive measures to keep myself from hurting the people I love. That's why I'm going to go chain myself to a tree. And um, I will say that the scene of the werewolf chained to the tree is fucking striking. Yep, that's it. There's something weird about it when his his nephew does Thor or his nephew see it. 
I think his nephew sees it. No. Uh, it's Thor. Thor. Yeah. Yeah. So Thor sees. The nephew doesn't know anything about the werewolf till like the end of the movie. That right. Yeah. And yeah. He yeah, shows yeah. up and he's like, "What the it's fuck like, is, is going there's on?" There's a giant wolf in his room. Yeah. So there. This movie doesn't. It wants to be that classic tragic tale of werewolf, um, of of lycanthropy. It wants to be that, and it tries to be that. It just fucking fails at being that. Yeah. Uh, that's not to say this is a bad movie. Um, it's I think inconsistent in tone, and I think the the main character, the the werewolf, I think his character depiction is very inconsistent because like the movie seems to never make up its mind whether or not he's a he's a man struggling or he's like like he does a lot of malicious shit, particularly to Thor. Like you'd think that if he was actually having some sort of internal struggle, which the movie wants us to believe he is having, he would be like, no, don't don't get rid of Thor. Like you know, like how in the Lost Boys, when sure. the Nook like bites. Um, What's his face? And he's like, what'd you do to my dog? And he's like, he was trying to protect you, but he doesn't hold any malice towards the dog. If we're using the, the Lost Boys comparison, imagine then if, um, I forget the actor's name who played him. If the character who played Michael then put the dog outside and let the the, the vampires kill him. Right. Like, the bad, the, the uncle in this movie, instead of being like, no, I am the problem and I should probably leave my family or I'm going to hurt them. He's yeah. like, fuck you, Thor. To the point of when they get rid of the dog, pissing in the dog's doghouse like it's this weird thing of like is he like a good guy or is he like just an asshole who's super powered sure and i think that's the movie's greatest weakness is that it can't make up its mind what it is i i again i wonder neither one of us have read the the book we just know about the book because it's on the imdb page so this might be a failure of the book my guess is that that's not the case. My guess is that because they didn't want to, you know, what are they going to do? Have an internal monologue for the dog yes. in the movie? Yes. They're not going to do that. So they need to put the drama somewhere else. Yeah, with the family. And it, I bet, I don't know this, but I bet the book didn't have that. No. Because that's really, and part of this is on, and I hate to say this because I love Streets of Fire, but part of this is on Michael Perret. Okay. He just, he doesn't have a lot of range. And he basically can be like, hey, I'm a smart, I'm a smiling nice guy, or I'm angry. And those are sort of the two gears of yeah, Michael yeah. Perret. And so the idea that he would be conflicted, he just doesn't know how to pull that off. Uh, and so it's not in the script. So if it's going to be there, he's going to have to bring it. Yes. And he never does. No. He, I mean, there are lots of points where I think he's supposed to look concerned. And he seems like he's threatening. He fucks with Thor. It feels like he's like, fuck you, dog. But there are also moments when he feels almost like this like weird kinship with Thor. True. That's, what I'm, that's what's I so think he, frustrating. But I think he wants to fuck Thor up. Again, here's the thing. In the book, a big plot point is that Thor is conflicted himself. Yeah. Thor is like, on one hand, I need to protect my family. On the other hand, Giant Wolf seems like a good <laughs> option for pack leader. Maybe... The giant wolf is my pack leader, and I need to obey him. Yeah. So I think that idea that he's both threatening but also feels a kinship with Thor makes sense in the context of the book. Yes. Because I'm sure as a character, he senses this conflict in Thor. That on one hand, Thor like wants to honor him. Yeah. And wants to like serve him as the pack leader. Yes. On the other hand, Thor is committed to his family and wants to protect the family. None of that is in the fucking none, movie because it's it. just a dog. And all the dog does is just looks scared. Like the again, much like Michael Perret, the dog has two gears: scary attack dog, scared dog. That's all you get. Can we talk now? Yeah. 
about what was awesome about this movie? Well, sure, sure, sure. But all I'm saying is, I think this is why. So this is actually a fun movie. We clearly paired these movies because of werewolf. Yes, that was the only reason. I think thematically, these two things connect because I think that there is a lot of good things in the company of wolves, but it kind of doesn't work in any of its badass elements. You know, the things that like when you say we're going to see a werewolf movie, it doesn't deliver any of those things that you would be stoked on. No. Bad Moon only delivers on those things, primarily the cool werewolf, and the rest of the movie, narratively, kind of doesn't fucking work. If you take away, if that werewolf didn't look cool, this would be one of the worst werewolf movies I've ever watched in my life. It's almost like a kid's movie. Yeah. It is. Okay, first of all, as we sort of said, let me reiterate. This is this movie's from 1996. Yes. It is a very 90s movie. Absolutely. It's, it's almost like, do you ever feel this, folks? I, and I don't know enough to know if this is true or not. I don't know if they invented a different way of treating film in the 90s, if there's like some process they put it through, but there's a certain brand of 90s movie that you just see the color of the movie and you go, that's from the 90s. That's a 90s film. Yeah. This movie is very much that. Um, but like there's just there's just not much there in the story and what's going on with the characters. We don't really learn much about the mom or the son. Uh, mostly we have scenes of Michael Pere and a big German Shepherd staring at each other. That's a lot of the movie. Um, which is fine. It's okay. I don't love it, but it's fine. And then scenes of what is one of the most successful uh, werewolf outfits ever. And in fact, I would say the movie is kind of a special effects masterpiece, except for... The horrible transformation scene. Now, let's make a note here. We watched the director's cut. Yes. And the director's cut, the only major difference I could tell between the director's cut and the theatrical version is that the director's cut cuts out a large portion of the transformation Very scene. wisely. And so for us, when it ended, Justin's like, well, that mostly was great visually. I mean, the, the, the werewolf really works. And I go, hold on. Let's switch to the theatrical version. Let me show you that transformation scene again. And you were like... Oh, and the transformation oh. scene is that really shitty subpar like morphing that they used to yeah. do back in the 90s. It's an, it looks like the Animorphs. Exactly, yes. But there's also this weird precursor to when before it morphs, he just becomes like he has like yellow eyes and like saw teeth. Yeah. And he's just like talking shit. And I'm like, what this fuck is? <laughs> what? Like, wait, there's nothing like in one scene, he's like. Yes, Thor, I'm chained to the tree because I'm dangerous. And then it cuts back to Thor being like, okay, well, whatever. And it cuts back to this guy. And he's like, he's got the weird teeth and he's like still talking shit. And then he fucking morphs. And it's like, or no, that's to his sister. Yeah. And it's so awkward and clumsy because I, I would have almost preferred if it had just been shitty CGI the whole time. Sure. For the transformation scene. And instead sure. of like the cutaway and the prosthetic teeth and all that, that, that just that fell so flat like oh my god but the the i, I don't want to downplay how bad this cgi is it's literally someone has taken an image of the full werewolf outfit and then they just manipulate the edges of the image yes so it looks like he's almost bubbling it's it's so painful it is one of the worst visual effects i've ever seen in a movie in which the werewolf itself is sans the transformation is It's really good. It, it's really fucking good. It, it's honestly, um, it's my favorite kind of werewolf design, like the hulking, 
yeah, man beast. It's even like, but with a wolf head. But with, yeah, with a wolf. It, it 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 doesn't even have like like the one thing I liked about dog soldiers was the sort of weird digigrade werewolves. Sure, yeah, and that the sort of like they were these like really sleek, still scary, but almost like erotic creatures. Yeah, and then there's like the howling, which is terrifying. But these this thing is like it it it, it honestly looks like it's like. It's huge and fucking muscular, and it's completely bipedal, which I really like. It like no, this thing would not look comfortable running on all fours, and the face is like it's genuinely for me anyway. I don't, I mean, I'm easily frightened, so take that, take everything I say with a grain of salt about this. This this wolf's face looked genuinely frightening, like it had that like wide, almost thylacine gape where the mouth would drop like really, the gape would be like really wide, and this this like. Everything about like the animatronics for this was like fucking top notch, mm-hmm. and it just made the butt shit CGI even worse. Right. So, um, there's there's just not much else other than him going to chain himself up in the woods. Yeah, not a lot else happens. There's a there's a brief sort of subplot with this. Guy, you know, the beginning of the movie is, or, or not the beginning, but the beginning of the main part of the movie is uh, this guy goes to uh, um, the family's house and sort of gets the dog to attack There's like a term him. for it, like car jumper or something like that? Uh, I don't think they say that, but it's like that. It's Basically, like ambulance, ch- it's like the opposite of like an ambulance chase. Yeah, it's like someone who fakes being hurt so they can like sue you. But Slip she's and, a... Slipping Jimmy from, from Better Call Saul. Yeah, yeah, So she's a... Uh, She's a lawyer, and so she immediately calls him out, whatever. So at a certain point, that dude comes back with a fucking meat cleaver, by the way. Yeah. Like, I don't... Why wouldn't it just be a normal knife? I don't know. <laughs> but he comes back with a fucking meat cleaver. He's going to murder the dog. Yeah. And he gets jacked up by the werewolf. Um, Other than that, other than earlier in the film, there's a attack scene on a guy who... He's measuring trees in the middle of the night? Yeah, he's a tree measurer. That's the thing that happens. People just go, what time is it? It's about midnight? Yeah. <laughs> R- rounds about midnight? I should go measure some fucking trees. Hopefully a werewolf doesn't attack me. Yeah, so that guy gets fucked up. Um, That's about it, really, until the sort of climax of the film. So the rest of the movie is just Michael Prey staring at the dog. And the dog staring back. And- an uncomfortable dinner after the dog is gone. Um. Lots of her making a Chemex of coffee. There's a lot of, co- or not French press, rather. Yeah, of yeah. Coffee. There's a lot of coffee around. Uh, and that's about it. Uh, there, there's a, I will say, I liked the scene where the nephew is watching, where Dennis the Menace is watching a werewolf movie, and Michael Burr is like, that's not how it really yeah. is. I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. I mean, that's a fine way to give us the, but. It's literally the last thing I would say if I was a werewolf to my nephew. Right. First of all, that's ridiculous. Yeah. It's like, yeah, let me tell you how it really is, kid. But uh, there's also, it's the only scene that has any, myth- there's no mythology in this movie. Like, there's no backstory. There's no underlying sort of thing. It's that scene and the fact that he has an old book about werewolves. Which, that's the whole thing. That's I'm all kind of, of okay with that, though. I'm, I think werewolf, the werewolf myth- mythos, it can get bad really fast. It doesn't have to be that. It doesn't have to be that. It has to be something about the idea that he's trying to figure out who he is. Okay. And we see a little bit of that, and maybe they think that that's subtle and cool. But if there was more of that, like you, you said, well, the movie wants us to think he he goes back to his family for because he you know he thinks their love will heal them. Yeah. We don't get that until no. an hour into the movie. So we're just like, 
well, this guy must be a fucking monster. Why yeah. did he? I mean, he literally, it feels like in the context of the film, before we learn that, he flees to their house because he's killed so many people in the woods by where the trailer is, he's got to bug out. Or he's there, gonna, yeah, we forgot to mention that his lakefront property is literally swarming with police. Yeah, they found, and to be fair, they're not looking for a werewolf or even a murderer. They're looking for the animal that did this. Yeah, they, they're. But it's more just a reality of. It, it doesn't even feel like he feels bad that he's killing these people. We he's don't afraid get a of getting caught. Of yeah. They're like, he's like, with all these cops here, if I turn into a werewolf, they're going to see me turn into a werewolf. I'm fucked. Like, that's, that's it. That's all we get is he's trying to avoid capture. And even that would be fine, I guess. But it doesn't, I just don't think it works in this movie. It's, it's, I, I feel a lot of conflict in this film because I've talked about this. We talked about this on our famous episode of Cinepunks where you came on to talk about werewolf movies. Yes. And I said this before, which is that the problem with most werewolf movies is not the things I have a problem with this movie, the plot, the directing, all yeah. that stuff. The problem is the werewolf sucks. Most mo- werewolf movies, the werewolf sucks. Even in American or, Werewolf in London, the werewolf is kind of shitty. It's not great. Yeah. And so my thing is that I think vampire movies are more successful than werewolf movies because it's easier to deliver a cool vampire. Yeah. It's pretty easy. And there's a variety of ways to do it that work. Near Dark, they're just bikers. Yeah, they're just bikers who like blood. That's it. Yeah. They can't go in the sun. That's the whole thing. Um, but even if you go full, you know, Dracula with it, that can be fun. There's so many options. Yeah. Whereas a werewolf, you got to have a cool wolf. It's like, got to look good. It's not easy. And so the what's so frustrating about Bad Moon is that it's one of the better deliveries of the thing they I They got want. the hardest part right. They nailed the hardest Imagine, part. Here's, Imagine, here's the deal. Imagine if you've been eating BLTs. Let's not even say BLTs. Let's relate it to my to my vegan co-host. Thank you. Let's say you're making vegan wings. Okay. And the problem with every vegan wing is the consistency. You're trying to get a tofu that also or or seitan, whatever you like. I was gonna say, but it has but it has like an external thing that's really crunch. That feels like a wing. That's what you're trying to get. And you experiment and experiment and experiment. Let's say you finally get there. You're like, you know what? This has it. This is the texture that I associate with a wing. I now finally have it. And then you put fucking Tabasco sauce on it instead of Red Hot or some other hot sauce. Mm-hmm. Tabas- if you didn't know, Tabasco sauce is actual piss out of my dick. Um, you should get that checked out. I know. Uh, the reality is that you've been looking for this one element to work. And even in the best movies that you can think of that cover this top- subject, oftentimes that element doesn't work. Well, here's one that gives you the whole thing. It gives you the best textured vegan hot wing you've ever had, and then it covers it in this shitty Tabasco sauce that you're like, I don't want that sauce in my mouth. That's my frustration with this movie is that it's so satisfying. Portions of this movie, the the finale. So, I mean, you can take this with a grain of salt. Part of me is kind of like, Thor is badass. I want to get to that. But, but, I, but could Thor actually beat a werewolf? I don't know. But, but but let me just say, I think that scene, I think, is completely satisfying. Yeah, I it's actually very it's, satisfying. It's, it's so well done. It's so great. But a lot of the movie that gets you to that moment, it's just, I mean, even the, here's a kid who I feel like, I barely believe he knows how to ride a bike, let alone that he can do anything. <laughs> and he fucking, he, to get his dog, to save his dog. He sneaks out of the house, which involves jumping off his 10-foot-high roof with no injury, Yeah, riding his bike miles and miles to some civilization because they live in the middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah. All, and then, like, all to figure out how to save this dog. I just I haven't seen enough of this. I don't. I have trouble believing this kid knows how to throw f- to play catch. 
Yeah. And he goes to save the dog. That in and of itself was like, who wrote this? What is going on right it, now? It's... But the werewolf is super cool. Not only is the... I'm going to go back to the werewolf first. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, the thing I, the thing that I, the, the true, the true sign of how great this thing looked was the fact that the climax of the movie takes place in a like bright little living room. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? It's not parts of the house are dark, but it ends up, it's not the living room. It's his, his room, his room, but his bedroom, the light is on. It's not dark. It's not There's hidden. There's something that is aesthetically unsettling about a monster in a child's bedroom. There's yeah, just something weird with about the, that. With the light on. Just following this woman up the stairs yeah. as she's like cowering before it. And let, let's also note that the following people have Stan Winston, Rob Bottin, and Rick Baker. They've all, all of their crowning monsters, we'll say, in The Thing and Aliens. Yeah. They are all specifically designed to be viewed in low lighting. Right. Because they want to hide the imperfections. Right. Whoever the fuck made this werewolf had enough faith in it to be like, show that thing in a fucking kid's bedroom with all the lights on. I mean, okay, it's not total. I, I don't want to hype this too hard. It's clearly a dude with an animatronic head on. It's, you're it, not going to think it's a werewolf. That's not what we're saying. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> but it is the most effective version of that you could possibly. And it, it's certainly, for me, better than CGI. Absolutely. I, I, I'm sure at some point CGI will surpass all practical effects. I believe that the singularity will come. Sure. But right now, I'd, I'll take this animatronic wolf with the goo dripping out of its jaws above every CGI That's another wolf. thing that was so... It was like it rabid. Was always, the werewolf always looks like it has rabies. And it has a tongue. It has a fucking Gene Simmons... Like, there's party that's like, if I didn't believe that this wolf was going to eat me, I'd think the wolf was like coming on to everybody. Because it's always with this tongue. Maybe like, it is. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Um, I do love the fact that the ending of this movie was so fucking grim and awesome. We're like, sure. we're gonna spoil this. We're like, so what happens is, is this the werewolf has this woman and her son cornered in 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 in, in her bedroom. Thor runs up, leaps on its back, tears its neck open, and while it throws him aside and it's distracted, the woman just fucking pumps like six shots into it. Yeah. And then the werewolf is standing in front of the window, wounded, and Thor jumps and pushes it out the window. Alana Nook and the Lost Boys. Yeah. And they both fall to the ground and they're both laying there just like they're both like bloodied up and they're both like looking at each other. And then the werewolf gets up and like limps off in the woods and then Thor gets up and limps after it. And then like it's like morning and we still see Thor like limping down the trail all bloodied up and we see the fucking the, the uncle. He's transformed back. He's to transformed and he's laying there all like he's all like ripped up and he just like looks at Thor and he's like, What are you waiting for? And Thor presumably kills him. There was something that was so cool and tough about that and that thor knows he exactly he's, he's figured it out and he's like oh well when you're a human again i can just fucking rip i'm gonna your head fucking off. destroy you it's just there there is something that like so many movies try to be that grim and like badass and hard bitten and they fail and there i, I was just watching that i was like just just like oh that was good like it's just like Thor is like, okay, cool. You fucked with my family. Now I'm going to like, I'm going to go to any lengths possible to just kill you. I mean, I, I, I'm not afraid to say, and I don't mean this to disrespect the, the, uh, Dennis the Menace and, uh, the mom. Yeah. Uh, in the movie. Cause I think they're actually both pretty strong. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 again, the kid was in a, but the a, Thor is the fucking star. He's of the, the star of the movie. I mean, again, they don't give him, this is about a director knowing all the dog, I mean, it's three dogs, but all the, all the dog does is like the kid, mm -hmm. right? 
not trust people and treat them like he doesn't trust them. Yes. And look like kind of confused and then attack. You know, it's like, that's me. It's like four things. That's me. I like kids. I'm confused and I attack people. But he's used so effectively that by the end of the movie, he's as strong a character as anyone else in the movie. Absolutely. Which, again, I'm sure it comes from the book, but it's e- I'm sure it's easier to do that in the book because you can describe. You can't describe in the movie what the dog is feeling. In the book, I'm sure you could say the way Thor felt is he's blah, blah, blah. You know they should have had Daniel Stern do like a monologue for Thor's voice. Sure, that would have been fun. <laughs> Daniel Stern, Jesus Christ. The point is, is that that is the most effective part of the movie is Thor. Yes. Whereas I would say the only cool thing about Michael Pere for me is the end when he's all fucked up and he's like, what are you waiting for? Yeah. That was like, okay, that's good. Yeah. You got that one down. But uh, when look, man, one of the parts that doesn't work is the whole, because they do it three different times. My man is trying to figure out how to get into the woods to handcuff himself. And Thor is like kind of got an eye on him, you know, sort yeah. of in his way. Like, look, you know, you're going to the woods both for the safety of your family that I'm supposed to believe you care about and so you don't get caught. And neither one of those things are enough of a motivator for you to, like, go past a scary dog. Yeah. Just go past the dog. Just run. He's fine. Yeah. Like, especially because at that point in the film, I don't think Thor has actually made up his mind as what he's going to do. He's just sort of watching him. And it's yeah. like, okay, well, let the dog watch. I don't I don't understand what's at stake in those scenes. until, And then the one moment where Thor is finally, like, is threatening and he's going to go for it. He wants Thor to attack him because he's setting up Thor to, you know, go down the go down the river. Yeah, he to go get gassed. He, he goes he goes Thor into uh into attacking him and getting sent away to the uh dog pound. It just doesn't that whole mechanic. It doesn't make sense the first time they do it, and then they do it multiple times, and I'm like, this doesn't work. As opposed to say, at a certain point, Thor goes up, pees on the fucking trailer. Thor's like, yeah, let me just make sure this guy knows who, who's in charge. <laughs> and he goes and he pees on the trailer. That works. Yeah. That actually is really good. I was like, yeah, no, that's what a dog would do. You know, the dog's yeah. like, let's be clear here. This, this is, is my house. This is yeah. my family. This yeah. is my territory. I don't quite understand what's going on with you, but let's be, you know. Let's you get need to first know. things first. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, the same way that you are conflicted about... Uh, uh, Company of Wolves. Mm-hmm. I'm conflicted about Bad Moon. The difference being Bad Moon is a good movie, whereas Company of Wolves is not. See, this is where we disagree. I think Bad Moon is a really effective, uh, a, a really effective special effect, basically. Yes. Really well done special effect. The movie itself is not that great, but it's fine. But it's not that great. It's weird. It's almost like Company of Wolves is not a good movie at all. It's fine, but it's just it's just no, shitty. No, I it's, I think that it is. It would be impossible to argue in my mind unbridled caucasity oozes from every crevice i don't care it's a, weir- it's, a, it's a british werewolf movie and exactly what part of this movie is an oozy caucasity hmm? of of bad moon yeah the werewolf get out of my face it's from, it's from borneo <laughs> no the only part is his the 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 villagers at the beginning scene who are i guess are just there to drink while he fucks his intern or whatever the hell is happening in that scene no, this movie would have been oozing caucasity if they would have brought in a shaman to help some to stop the werewolf. That's fair. Which they very easily could have done. Yeah. I mean, 
you know, it's not clear. She's not sure he's aware. I mean, she doesn't know what's going on with him. She just knows she doesn't trust him after she reads. I mean, it takes her till she reads his journal. Yeah. And he literally is like, I murdered whatever. There's pictures of his dead girlfriend. And then she's like, I don't know if I trust him. Yeah. It's, it's not like Jeffrey Dahmer did the same thing five years before this. <laughs> Look, here's the deal. I think Bad Moon is worth seeing, especially if you're someone who likes fun movies with good special effects. <laughs> but I'm of the opinion... That one of these films is actually a good movie. Bad Moon, and, and I agree one hundred percent. It's Bad Moon. Moon. It's not a Company of Wolves. Oh I agree. I agree. I'm glad we. I'm glad you came around. I'm glad we agree on that. Anyway, that was those movies. I'm glad Liam loves Bad Moon, and I look. Wait a minute. Let's be clear here. I'm not shitting on Bad Moon. One of us owns Bad Moon, and the other one doesn't. That's me. I own it. I own Bad Moon. Oh yeah, that's true. Standard definition Blu-ray. I own it on actual Blu-ray. Yeah, I own it in like that's the, how we watch the director's cut. I own it in the cardboard yeah. folding thing that with the oh, black clicky terrible. thing. It's yeah, terrible. got it from the Quaker Town flea market a few years back. Um, and I do think it's it's a fun movie, but it it if you're not imp- if for some reason unlike us you're not impressed by the werewolf, like you're like actually I don't think this werewolf is that great. Turn the movie off because there's no other reason to watch yeah. this fucking movie. Then you're wasting your time because there's no other hook to the movie. Unless you think the werewolf is cool, or you just like German Shepherds. Here's the thing. There's um, a lot of German Shepherds in the Oh, movie. they're very adorable German Shepherds. I was also saying, um, I feel that aside from the opening, again, weirdly graphic sex scene, Yeah, this is a, I feel this might be yeah, a- Yeah, talk more about, it is, uh, to be to clarify for you guys, when we say graphic sex scene, it's cut down too. The original yeah, yeah. version would is like full NC-17X sex scene yeah. that they cut down. I feel this movie would be a very good gateway horror film for like a ten or eleven year old kid. Okay. Um, because it's it's got that sort of it's got the little the scrappy little kid in it. Sure. It's got the cute dog in it, but it also has again a, a monster that's scary enough that it would set it apart from say, um, like Monster Squad or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's there's actual fear. A kid could be scared by this movie. Yeah, I was scared of this movie. Thirty-five, but it's not complicated. There's not a lot of like foul language. It's and there's a compelling child you could identify with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I get just it. If it wasn't for the unnecessary, unbridled fucking at the beginning of this movie, (laughs) rampant fucking that like is edit like this is the craziest thing is the sex scene as presented in the director's cut. We were like, whoa, all right, and then it says. You know, on the special features, like cut sexy. And we're like, well, that's got to be what we watched, right? Yeah. We turn off, like, oh, fuck, what? It's, it's five minutes of this dude punishing this woman in a tent. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it's, it, I mean, uh, again, I am a deviant with the mind that exists in a toilet. And I was like, watching this, like, this is making me uncomfortable. Like, this is, this is more than a bit much. I mean, it was making me very comfortable, if you know what I'm saying. What? No, I mean, it's just, it's not that I'm offended by uh, what was, I mean, what it amounts to is a lot more nudity and a lot longer of a sex I was just more confused than anything. Like, why are we But seeing that's what this? I'm saying. It's so confusing since, especially since there's no edge other than the scary werewolf. There's no edge to the rest of this movie. No. The only other part that like has an edge to it is when she discovers him transforming into a werewolf and then he randomly calls her a bitch. And that part... <laughs> That part stands out to me because the rest of it is so kid gloves. It's literally like the sex scene and the transformation scene are from some other fucking movie. Yeah. He's so angry and insulting to her in that scene that I'm like, I get that 
the inner evil of the werewolf is coming out. But I'm reading that into the movie to explain a scene that doesn't make any fucking sense for yeah. the rest of the movie. Yeah. You're just like, whoa, dude. Like, I literally, the first time I watched it and he said that, I was like, whoa, all right. Lo- what love is going to say? You don't love your sister. You hate your sister. What's happening? Right? Like, I was kind of like, what? I don't understand, you know? So uh, the, those are weird. Again, I still think you should, if you like werewolf movies, you should watch Batman. Yeah. Definitely, I would definitely say uh, I think I went on Twitter and said on record that it's in my top four werewolf designs. I think that's true. Yeah. All right, so that was 1996's Bad Moon. Um, thank you, as always, for listening. Thank you to anyone who follows us on Twitter and retweets us or does anything like that. Yeah. At the, the, what is what is the Twitter? The Harb Twitter and Instagram. The Harb is six six six. It's three we're all, sixes. We're also on the Facebook. I don't know if we use the Facebook as much. Uh, I post new episodes on there, but it's not. I'm, not, I'm more active on Twitter and yeah, 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 on, yeah, yeah. on Instagram is where I interact with people more. Um, you can also head to www.cinepunks.com for more episodes of this podcast and more episodes of several other podcasts, including Wine and Cheese, Black Sun Dispatches, The Mandate, and Got Me a Movie, and our flagship podcast, Cinepunks. Come check it out. Come check it out. <laughs> if, you're, if, you, if you find us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify... Remember to rate, review, subscribe, and download, download, download. Hey, get your friends to subscribe. Steal yeah. their steal their phone. Go on their podcasting app. Hit yeah, subscribe. Do it. If you if you I'm, I'm I'm telling you, yes, you. If you have a significant other, make them listen to us. <laughs> um yeah, that's about it. Uh I'm trying to think if there's anything else we should talk about. I think that's it. If you have uh, any questions, concerns, complaints, or threats, you can send us to theharbiz at gmail.com. Sure. And then we have, we have new shows coming, so keep an eye out. Yeah. New stuff coming. All right. So until next time, um, Liam's wrong about Bad Moon, and I'll talk to you guys later. Have a good night. Bye. Don't talk. Just listen. Son, there is no hope, only mystery, wonder, and danger. Black Sun Dispatches on the Cinefunks Podcast Network.